Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. It feels like it's been, oh my gosh, it feels like it's been months since we did a daily dose. I don't know why. I guess because last week we were both pre-records. Oh, that's true. So while we did them, oh, yeah. they they didn't happen in real time. I guess that's probably it. Well, good morning. Welcome back to Real Time Daily Dose. Um, we are talking today about an article that's actually an interview of a new book that our friend Ellen sent thinking it might be really interesting. The book is called, um, mm -hmm, can't get it, Us, colon, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. And it is by Terrence Real. Is that his first name? I know his last name is Real. Hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's a good idea to do a little bit of this work before you get on. Actually, Terence Real wrote the article. The author's nope. name is Ian Kramer. No, nope. Ian Kramer, whatever, is the um, interviewer. Terence Real wrote the book called <laughs> Us Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. Hmm. All right. So uh, <laughs> what about this book, Dr. Mary? Do, do you have anything specifically you want to talk about? It's... This resonated with me. I've only read the article. I haven't even looked at the book. We got this this morning, and we this we 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 went on a pivot, which is something you should learn to do anyway. Mm, for that's the, true. And uh, as I'm, a human being, much I, less a person who's in recovery. And I also learned to be an effective management type person. Management type person, you have to learn how to pivot, because it's important to remember you can't get things. Nothing ever works the way you want it to work. Okay. Very true. Anyway, so we were looking at this very quickly. This is completely what we weren't going to talk about today. Um, but what it what was interesting to me is the general gist of the book is relationships are not solely about you or me. They're about us. He went on to explain. And I think this is really interesting that um, when you get into a partnership with someone, you share each other's ecosystems. I loved this too. Now, it's he very did, science. He didn't go into ecosystems, but what he did say was. If you are in a, if you have a habit of making your own ecosystem toxic, screaming, fighting, yeah. manipulating, lying—I mean, all of the sort of negative qualities that we can bring to a relationship. When you and your partner merge and your ecosystems start to overlap, that's what you bring to the table. And if two people are bringing that, you're in a very toxic environment. Can I just interject? Yes. He says, uh, when you do that and you create toxicity, then you're breathing it in as well. Too, yeah, because so you, it's your biosphere. The, when I read through this quick reading between the lines, it was one of the biggest problems relationships fail is that you start breathing. Well, it's like drinking your own Kool-Aid. You start breathing in your own negativity. Yeah. Now, the way he pointed out ecosystems actually to me is actually how an ecosystem works. Ecosystems overlap. There's, uh, 
depending on how oh, how technical you want to get, there's somewhere between seven and eleven of them on this planet because there are sub ecosystems. I want to get loosely technical. Doctor. Thought you might, but where where most of the world's biodiversity is, or most of life on this planet, is where two ecosystems join because you go from one environment to the other, and things adapt to live in that environment. So when two ecosystems as humans get together, they adapt to what they have in mm. common first. And then when that that's the most precious part that could get damaged quick if the ecosystem becomes toxic, and that's what you lose. So that's what you should try to share is that ecosystem where two things merge. Wow, that's really interesting, and not at all what the no, no. what it dis but gets discussed in the book. But what a it as an ecosystem, I thought, what does science awesomeness, Mazzy? Some people would use the term nerd, but I like awesomeness. What is an ecosystem? And that's what came to mind, and it makes perfect sense. You're joining two things together. So um, I love that actually. See, that's the perfect amount of science, Doctor Man. I yeah, don't but need I have to... to do that for 18 weeks every Oh, I, I know, but I'm just saying, for me, <laughs> that is a science complete it is. It's lesson. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like a tutorial. I don't want to be tested on it, for sure. Yes. Do not need to be tested on it. But he also goes on, sorry, Turner. No, I you're good. I'm going to launch into something. That's good. Um, I'd forgotten about this because, you know, I deal with the environment and plants most, but um, how your brain works. Mm. Um, the grown-up part of yourself is your prefrontal lobe, and I wanted to bring that up, thank you, because that's the part that rewrites itself when you become addicted to something. That's how you get behavioral changes. So this is your grown-up part, who you are, right here. In your back end of the brain, which some people call the lizard brain, it's the primitive brain. Some people say it's the area in between even that. They think it's called the limbic system. Limbic, right? Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. That's where your power your 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 power nervous system is and it checks you every day and he writes in here it says every um four times a second your autonomic nervous system scans your body four times a second saying are you safe are you safe are you safe are you safe if if the answer is yes your prefrontal lobe takes over and everything's cool but if it's no you go into panic mode you go into fight or flight thing you get an adrenaline rush which does alter the biochemistry of your brain and then your ecosystem starts to get polluted. So let's let's um, bring this into a specific example, okay? So six years ago today, Maz is in the basement drinking. He probably hasn't come to bed. Um, when I go downstairs, I will either see sitting next to him because he'll be asleep at this point He'll be passed out asleep at this point. I will either see next to him a glass of whiskey with an ice cube in it, or it won't be there. And I'll know that he's hidden it in the couch because he could tuck it down between the cushion and the chair. Um, so I, I start every morning six years ago from my prefrontal cortex thinking, okay, I can stay calm. I can be rational about this. We can have a conversation. I can help him understand that he's drinking too much. He can stop because I can fix it. And then everything can be fine. That's where I start every single day from. And I go downstairs and I observe the situation because he's asleep, doesn't know I'm there. And within seconds, clearly my prefrontal cortex shuts down 
and my limbic brain takes over. And within seconds after that, I'm screaming, crying, whining, yelling, cajoling, pleading. I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I am creating as much toxicity in our little biosphere ecosystem in that moment as Maz is with the glass of whiskey at eight in the morning. Don't you think? I see where you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, if but then that's that sounds like too much blame can be put on someone for being irked at someone. Okay, so set. You might all know, watching and listening audience, that Maz and I have this ongoing discussion where I think the principles of a twelve-step program ingrain in the person going through the program that nobody else can take any blame for this and that it is 100% their fault. I think that's garbage. I'm not saying they can't take a lot of the blame. You can take a lot of the blame. I give you freely a lot of the blame. I'll encourage you to feel plenty of blame, but I won't give you 100% of it. So um, what's fascinating about that is that how how successful, if none of the blame is mine, then how successful were my attempts? Well, with hindsight, I think they were, you have to have a clear head to think this, and my head wasn't clear. I, I think they were very heartfelt and warming, and I wish I'd listened to them at the time. Okay, that's one interpretation. My interpretation is I had 0% success. Yeah, you did, but I wish you had. Okay, but wishes, I wish I had $100 million. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't make it happen. So so my point is, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not looking back on six years ago, Dana, and saying, you were a fool. You should have just said, do what you want. I'm here. I support you. That's crap. It was garbage at our house. It was unmitigated garbage. It wasn't the worst relationship with an addict that's ever existed. There was no physical abuse. There was little to no um, verbal abuse. There was a little, but not a lot. There was some emotional abuse. I mean, that's just a reality of where we were. I would say I gave as much emotional abuse as I received. I was mean in an effort to like tough love him out of this. So it was, it was a two way street. We were both creating toxicity in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is that neither one of us were actually focused on we. I wanted Maz to get fixed because I didn't like it. And I was concerned about him, but I didn't know enough to really understand what was happening. It was about, I won't be married to someone like this. I won't stay like this. I want something better. You will get fixed. You are bad. You are, you are, you are. If there was never a, what has happened to us? I never thought of it that way. 
I was in pure fight or flight mode. And in my case, I was in like 98% fight mode. Mm. I can't say where you were. The author, this is an interesting point, and the author brings up an, an art in, in this um, this article. We can put the link in there. It's, it's, from, it's already it's, in the it's notes. from CNN Health. Great example is this couple came to see him, and the male um, dad was in the military, so he was always being told exactly what to do, what to wear, what to think, how to eat, how quick to eat. So he became a chronic liar, which is something that affects addicts. So your first and people in trauma. Yeah. And Not everyone, but but many but people in trauma. When you know you're in trouble, your you know the the lizard part of your brain kicks in, and you immediately think, "How do I get myself out of trouble?" Best thing to do is lie. So you become a very bad chronic liar. So this guy said he lied about everything. So um, the part of the therapy was to make little lists. So they they came back two weeks later and said, "Yep, we went shopping. I gave him twelve things on a list to buy. He came home with eleven. And she said to him, "Where's the?" pumpernickel bread apparently this was important to her personally i don't know stop stay what focused that is it's excellent you'd hate it um and he he said his every muscle of his nerve every muscle and nerve in his body was screaming to lie to get himself out of trouble quickly he took a breath and suddenly said you know what i forgot it she burst into tears and said i've been waiting to hear that moment for 25 years he just owned up to it one of the first steps of fighting an addiction is owning up to the fact that you're going to spend a lot of your time falling on your ass or your face, but you own up to it because that's real. That's what you do. That's what you do. Um, it's, it's a really, I think, valuable way to think about relationship. And I, I want to say that, um, oh, I know. I was trying to think where this came from. I read a book recently called Bittersweet. I can't remember the author's name, but it's a new book called Bittersweet. She wrote a previous book, I think called Quiet, which I have not read. Real Bittersweet was really interesting. I heard her talking about it and the book Quiet on Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert. And she talked about, Quiet is all about the power of actually being an introvert. Pre-Industrial Revolution, people valued introversion because everybody sort of lived in their same little agricultural communities. You grew up in that community, you married in that community, your children grew up together, everybody was buried in that community. You lived yeah. in a very small ecosystem. And so it made sense to be introverted because you were part of a larger community. It really wasn't about individuality. Industrial revolution happens. People start moving into places where they don't have a long history with each other. And suddenly, what can you say about yourself? How do you sell yourself in the first three seconds so that you can get ahead? And extroversion becomes the um, quality to admire and to have for success. Well, we have maintained that and have carried it to the nth degree today. It's why you have influencers on social media who actually have no real skill set. They're just perceived as being influential. It's because they their extroversion has set them apart. They make you feel people feel less isolated. So. But her whole, I'm sorry, the, one of the premises of this book is the exact same thing. When it used to be about the collective, 
then you were in relationship and you rarely, if ever thought to yourself, what serves me? The, the me was actually part of the we, which was the principal sort of colony idea. Well, we don't live that way anymore. We just don't. You have to be individualized to get ahead. At least that's what we've decided is true. Yeah, I mean, this, the author goes on to say that with the Industrial Revolution and the myth of all the self-made people, all, all that went out the wayside and that was the end of civic virtue because it was every person for themselves yep. trying to get ahead. You have to think, as a side note, that some of this rampant public shooting is part and parcel to this. That we've lost our ability to look around at our community and say, these are the people that I am in relationship with, whether I know them or not. This is my, my group, my section, my segment, my however you want to think about it. I don't want to harm them because harming them actually harms me. If instead what you think is, I want to be noticed. I want to be set apart. I want to go down in infamy. Well, one way to do that is to be a shooter because guess what the news does the minute somebody shoots into a crowd, whether it's a school or a movie theater or a concert or a mall or an airport, they talk about it over and over and over again. And suddenly you are infamous. You're infamous for the wrong reasons, but you have to think that some of what's going on here, we've lost our collective ecosystem and it's all about me, 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 me. Thanks for the nice note, John. I'm so glad you got up on your feet and fought for today and what a beautiful day it is with you both in it. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Um, I mean, I think what, what this book, and again, we've not read the book, but what this book has the potential to do is talk about how dangerous this me concept is and how imperative it is that we get back to a we. It's what's wrong with our politics today. And I'm not fighting one side or the other, but it is all about what serves me. And to be, um, to be nationalistic and, and proudful about, you know, what a being America is supposed to mean. Think about what the first word of the constitution actually is. We. Yeah. We. Now, you could go ahead and say, yeah, that was a pretty narrow we there, Thomas yeah. and crew, uh, which is true. It, it could have meant a big, could have been a bigger, wide ranging we, but it's something that it sure you was could, not. You could adapt. But it, it well, it has maintained flexibility, which yeah. is what it was intended to do, because now women and black people and other people of color do fall under that umbrella more than they ever certainly did in 1776. Still a long way to go. Long way to go. But there's, I, I'm, I think from a, from a us as in a, a relational standpoint and from a communal and cultural standpoint, there's something really powerful about this idea our ecosystem, I'm not saying there's never toxicity to our ecosystem. In five and a half years, we've had some fights. It rains a bit. It does rain a bit. But that's it. It, it. There's good drainage. And then the sun comes <laughs> out again. 
Our yes. topsoil is fantastic. Yep, amazing topsoil and uh, great drain tile underneath. But there's there is almost no well, there's no pollution. Yeah, there's a storm cloud, but we don't we we don't flinch. We let it come and deal with it. Yeah, because I think now oh, so good, so good. I think now uh, our we is more important to both of us than either of us individually. We yes. understand that we are stronger together and that there is power in two and that we can we can disagree, we can have fights, we can be out of alignment, but the the out of alignment is never more powerful than the desire to be back in alignment, back in community and communion together. That's extraordinary. Extraordinary. I've never had a relationship like this. And it takes work. But here's what I think. It took intentional work when we just, when we looked at our lives as two people in sobriety and decided to go forward. But that intentional work has become virtually effortless. Yeah, Think about that. that. Yeah. Think about that. So the book is called one more time. Us colon. Go down a little bit. Keep going. Us getting past you and me to build a more loving relationship. I think it's probably something really important for us all to read how it relates to us in sobriety. Yep. Sobriety and not another life lesson for everybody. Have an excellent day. We'll see you on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D A Y N A at D A Y N A D E L V A L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye bye.